This episode is brought to you by City on Fire by number one international bestseller Don Winslow. Stephen King is called Don Winslow, one of America's greatest storytellers, and Christian White has said that City on Fire is a masterpiece, wonderfully crafted, beautifully written, and a propulsive, authentic page-turner. It's already receiving rave reviews all around the world with Publisher Weekly, Library Journal, Kirkus and Booklist, all already giving it starred reviews saying epic, stunning and brilliant. It will be released in Australia on the 4th of May, so pre-order now. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 35,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been living with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm uh. feeling sick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another episode of Words and Nerds, where we bring you literary goodness to your ears wherever you are. I'm Danny V, your host. Now, I'm really, I'm usually super excited, but I'm super duper excited today to welcome my guest, Gus Gordon, an internationally acclaimed illustrator and author. He has illustrated and written, we decided pre-recording, about 82-ish books for children. His illustrations are known for their loose and energetic line work, mixed media and humour. His most recent works include Finding Francois, The Perfect Seat and The Last Peach. He was last on the Words and Nerds podcast on episode 188 with Felipe. Arena, where we took ourselves to Paris. Who knows where we'll end up today? Welcome back, Gus. Thanks, Danny, for having me. It's good to be back. Can't believe now you've done that many, that many podcasts since. That's amazing. I just can't say no to speaking to all people like yourself. I'm like, oh, I need to have this conversation. And today's a bit special, Gus, because we're not going to talk about a specific book. We're just talking about creativity, what it means, how you do it. We're going to explore what it means to possess it and the right. need to use it. So that's pretty cool. So we can take this conversation yeah. anywhere you want. I'm excited. That's really good. We can just wrap it on. <laughs> we can wrap it on. People can keep <laughs> listening or maybe they'll maybe we'll just have a three parts. It'll be a three part episode. <laughs> now, what I do love when I speak to you is your creative space and I'm looking at it behind you and it's glorious. And I've watched oh, yeah. all your Insta videos where you take us for tours on it. One day I'm going to come and have a cup of tea in that studio, Gus. Try and yeah, stop me. <laughs> well, you're welcome to. I'm really lucky. It's definitely the best space that I've, I've had. Uh, I don't. I know I don't take it for granted. I just I just am really happy that I've, I've got this lovely space. Um, it took me a little while to get used to working in here, to be honest, because I I had to sort of keep walking around and and just take it all take it all in. So, but I'm I'm well well and truly adjusted. All the deadlines will do that to you now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's one of my first questions because I'm just looking at it and I'll be looking at it through mm. this whole episode, admiring it a lot. But how important is it to have a creative space? Because you just said you haven't always had one, and I guess you've worked in different spaces before, but now you've got this beautiful space. Is it 
something that inspires you when you walk up the stairs does it click into your brain this is my creative space mm. how does it work yeah uh it i think it's really important you know it's funny when you first start out i think maybe through sheer determination and lack of funds you you work at wherever you work you, you know i remember it was a kitchen table from quite some time uh, and you, you know you do adjust, but and then a, as you get older and uh, your studios get better and better, and um, but it is really important. It's really really important that you have a great space because of where your head is at and where your head goes. And I know that when I walk up my stairs, and I've got great stairs. I have um, uh, prints and il original illustrations on either side of the stairs oh, on wow. the wall. And they, they inspire me. I, I, I look at them every single time. And so when I walk up the stairs, I feel like, well, I'm on. And it does, it is almost like a little switch that turns on in your head. Uh, and then when I get up here, I, I, I find it an ins really inspiring sort of space where I can daydream, really. And, and, and that's, that's, a, that's really the key thing. And I, uh, because when that door shut downstairs, I can't really hear much what's going on downstairs. And so I have my own little world. It's good. Yeah. Mm, I love that. And it is important because they say the same thing about, you know, dressing for work or dressing for school, that it does something to your psychological state. So you're ready to work. So I love that yeah. idea. But creativity yeah. is sort of a hard beast to, to hold on to. You know, sometimes it's, I don't know if this is for you as well. Maybe mm. it's always there for you, but sometimes it's a bit slippery. Do you find that though once you get up those stairs, you can sort of harness it? Uh, depends on the day, you know, really, and where I'm at deadline-wise. And so, so sometimes, like everything, you just can't get in the groove. It depends on what's going on in your life and, and things. Other days, you're sort of forced into it. Um, you just have to chug on through. It depends on which part of the process you're in. When I'm at the beginning of, of a project and I'm creating, then... That's a tricky time because my hair can go anywhere, you know, like it does, because essentially that's what it's all about, aren't we? We're, we're daydreamers and we're trying to sort of uh, creatively negotiate and figure out where our narrative is going to go and we really don't have any idea, any solid characters or even narrative in the beginning and so you're quite susceptible for distraction and you know you just you know you everyone knows their own um the things that those ill-disciplined things that get them into trouble whether it's something on youtube or podcasts uh, not yours of course <laughs> but, um, where you just find yourself in a rabbit hole and suddenly an hour is gone because you or you're researching lighthouses and you've spent two hours doing it or something and then you think oh i really need to do some work so um <laughs> so it really depends on the day, I guess. Yeah. I'm really interested in the creative process because, you know, many writers say, and I agree that, you know, part of the process is the thinking and it looks like you're not doing mm. anything, but part of the process is, you know, having those ideas percolate in your brain. Yeah. You know, once I want to know what is this is the most challenging part of the creative process for you. So is it that point where you're researching lighthouses and watching cat videos and not having anything firm or do you have confidence that you're going to get there or is it when you've put never. pen to paper or never, never. or is no, it when you're three you know, quarters through? Tell me. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think uh, one thing I've learned is I've 
gotten older is that you never you, you never feel smug about where you're at really until even when the book is gone you just don't know uh there are moments where you throw your fist in the air and you, you shout and you're happy but they seem less frequent than the moments where you're in despair <laughs> <laughs> and you feel like you're in a dry gully and you just don't yeah you can't see your way out you anything this is the biggest load of rubbish i've <laughs> ever why am i even attempting it but something funny about that process and i think i've learned to trust my gut <clears throat> and uh that there will be a road out it's just i haven't found it yet and despite my lack of direction <clears throat> um excuse me i i know i should persist because something in my gut says you know this is there's something here i just have not it hasn't revealed itself to me mm-hmm. it hasn't it's like i always feel when i'm creating and generally i'm mostly drawing in this at this point when something arrives that's the word i can use to describe it it's normally a drawn thing i've illustrated something it almost feels like i've landed in the middle of a story and this is where i know when i'm onto something is when i draw something that feels like it's in the middle of the story and i need to figure out what that story is all about or what that character's next move is that's when i think oh wow there's something in this and that doesn't happen very often but it, it's then it's like a teasing process it's almost like you have some a bait <laughs> and you're holding it by the hole <laughs> and you're trying to tease it like a yabby maybe you know you're trying to <laughs> I love that. tease it out of its hole come on come on please please come show on me, show me show me show me reveal yourself uh <laughs> i'm never gonna look at writing the same again <laughs> <laughs> i don't i've never used that yabby analogy before <laughs> now it's now it's gonna be famous, imagine guys. The metaphor i'm gonna use again but it is it is like teasing it out and then and this the immense satisfaction is is that those early stages when it does start to reveal itself and suddenly it's you can start to see its shape and then when when that happens then often the direction reveals itself and then you're shut down again you have no idea so you sort of go up and down up and down but I, that's in some ways that's the most exciting part when you feel you're onto something um but you just can't quite figure it out and then slowly bang you know that's a really exciting moment when when you have a um that lovely little moment mm. Mm, i really like that so mm. if if every writer illustrator suffers a bit of self doubt for you is it a help or a hindrance in the end of 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 learn of learn that it's it's a help because if you if you didn't if it all came really easily and there wasn't the struggle then i would worry more about how what i've got a whole, what i've got here i think if it if it just you know going back to what i was saying if it if it was going if it did reveal itself too easily and it all came just flowed out fully formed then i would just go e eh, something wrong here because there's something about the your own internal critic that makes you strive to 
to, to find the best way of telling the story. And that's, that's the thing that I've learned is that, you know, that internal critic says, no, that's not good enough, that's not good enough, that's not good enough. But when it, it does come and, and it, the wheels start to move, then that's some enormously satisfying that and when you start to feel that it's a, it's becoming a story that it's, it feels like you're onto a story. There's perhaps maybe even be a book uh, and to, to entertain those thoughts are brave indeed, you know, but you'd quietly say them in the back of your head. <laughs> but I've, <laughs> I, I definitely learned that, that, that you need to struggle and it has to be difficult. I think um, it, in order for you to give your best work. Mm, oh, I like that. You're not the first person to say that. So I think there's something in that. I was speaking to mm. Jack Heath and he said if he, whenever he struggles with a book, it ends up being, you know, something that the publisher likes and it goes really well. Things that have come really easy, nobody likes and he's made to rewrite them again. <laughs> so there's yeah, something in it, isn't there? I think a lot of people, creatives, probably are, are, are their own worst critic in a lot of ways. And I think it's a healthy, in the end, I think it's a healthy disposition. Mm. I think so too. I think self-doubt, as long as you don't go too far down that path, sure. self-doubt can and actually you make you work can. better. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it can happen. <laughs> self-doubt mm. can make you work better because you are, you're not settling for something that's not good enough. So, yeah, it's a knife's edge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, 100%. And it depends really on also what's going on in your uh, life outside your creative world that you, yep. you live in. And I think that adds, and I know definitely at the moment it's a, it's a difficult time for people uh, to to find that creative space, and I know I think probably that's one of the biggest challenges creatively in the last few years I've found is probably blocking out all that white noise, and it, it is kind of a noise, and, and as as valid as it all is, and as as much as we all wanted to go away, it's you know it's important that that we understand what's happening around us, but in the end we have to as a creative person, sort of block that out. Otherwise, I mean, I know come with COVID and everyone had going to move at home and work from home, lots of people were struggling, you know. And But I was like, yeah, woo, this is great. I'm going to come into my own because I've been working home for 25 years. <laughs> Not new uh, for you at all. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I actually struggled for months. Because, you know, I was watching the news and I was taking it in and I just couldn't get past creatively this sort of wall of sort of noise. But um, so that's when I started to do uh, readings and things. I don't know if you saw any of those, but I sort of read my books and on Instagram and did videos and things like that that people could watch because I knew everyone was at home and they could um, read, they could put it on and they could read with their kids or they could, show their kids that and and that was a kind of a nice little bridge and then after that I found things kind of the clouds cleared a little bit for me and then I was in the zone so finding that sort of space creatively whether that's discipline or routine or working out a way to block out all that that other noise I think is 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 really important especially these days with everything that's happening Mm. Yeah. And you almost can't avoid the news. Like I'm not a news watcher because I know it just plays with my anxiety, but then you get it through social media. You know, someone will share a news clip yeah. or it's all over Twitter or it's trending. So you really sure. can't 
control a lot of what you consume, but I think it's important to try and control it a lot. Because I remember when I was watching the news, whether it be fires or whether it be wars or whether it be COVID or whatever, like it really yeah. plays on you, you know, particularly if you have anxiety or something. I was like, oh, can't even live in this world anymore. So I just switched yeah. it off. So, yeah. you know, can you just tell me if there's a meteorite heading toward my house? Because I probably won't know. <laughs> just yeah. to put it on Twitter and then I'll, I'll yeah. know. <laughs> it's look it is a definitely a, especially for kids too that I, mm -hmm. and i've been particularly mindful of that i think it's a pretty stressful time for uh families um and children these days trying to explain everything all this time away mm. yeah it is it is and even though you try and keep them away from it they absorb a lot and i know my daughter she's in year two and she hasn't experienced a year at school yet you know okay. kindy was interrupted first grade was interrupted hopefully this year won't be but she hasn't experienced a full school year. And so she'll probably get to May and be like, oh, I'm too tired. I haven't done this before. Oh, <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah, let's hope. Let's yeah. hope this year is just yeah, as normal as possible. But I think that's why creativity is so important. And I think that's why stories mm -hmm. for kids is so yes. important because creativity is our peace, isn't it? It nurtures us. It comforts us, comforts us and it gets us out of that headspace of doom yep. and negativity. Is that how you feel when you're creating as well as when you consume art? Yeah, I think now more than ever, it's, it's so important that it, people have a respite from what's going on that we can, uh, I mean, it's a great privilege, of course, to be able to tell stories and know that they can be consumed without any, without being related to the things that are, are going on mm. in our world. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a really, it is a tough time. And I think uh, more important, more than ever, uh, creative people, uh, coming into their own to be able to tell stories and and uh, and educate and entertain, mm. um, and just allow yeah. people to disappear. I think disappear yeah. from what's going on out there and disappear into stories. I mean, that's that's why I started, you know, reading at a young age or consuming art because you get to disappear in a different place, yeah. and then if you you know immersed exactly. in it, nothing else exists around you. We all need that, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and I think that's why most people get into reading uh the people that that it stick with for life i think it's because of that place where they can go to and, and uh and escape mm. Mm. and i heard someone say and it really resonated with me that art is comforting so you go to an art gallery or you read a book or you see some theater and it's comforting because i think yes. it takes you out of the space and allows you to be present and you know it's hard to be present these days with so many devices going off and we're busy and yeah. all that kind of stuff so i think yeah. art helps you be present whether you're making it or whether you're consuming it it helps you be present in the world i think i have to think about that that's really interesting isn't it uh that i that to be able to just let your mind wander and just get caught up in something in art whether it's you know at a, at a live music event or whether it's you know reading quietly a book on on your on your couch or in, on your bed, it's to be able to just let yourself go and your mind just get all consumed by what you're what you're doing, whether it's you're seeing or reading it. I think that's so, you know it's it's so valuable. Mm, I've read somewhere that eight minutes of immersing yourself in reading, particularly, was like meditation. So it can put you in a meditative really? state. I don't know if that's the same. I read a lot of crime. Not mm. sure if it's the same if you read a yeah. lot of crime. <laughs> uh that's it <laughs> eight minutes gosh yeah and then it increases a... from there you know like how cool is that 
Yeah. You don't have time to meditate. Just grab a book out and start reading it. You could read That's, 80 yeah. of your books, Gus, in a day and you'd feel so calm. Yeah, but then you might be bored after. <laughs> <laughs> How could you say that, Gus? How could you oh, say that? No, what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm a big fan of yours, as you know, I love your work, but I want to know, you know, you've got an incredible body of work and, you know, there are similarities and differences, but is there something specific that defines a Gus Gordon book? It's always hard to to look at your own work, isn't it? And and definitely know that. I just, I suppose I know what my objectives are and what, I guess what people have said, perhaps, um, but I, I, I guess for my books, what I are always trying to to do with my stories is to have some substance, so some some soul and mm-hmm. heart, yeah. uh, and I think that's you know hopefully the reader is left with something that is memorable and that they can ponder about later on. That I I think with my books, and I don't necessarily do this in a conscious way. Otherwise, they would never be written. But I'm always thinking about layers of narrative, layers of story. The story that we see immediately, that's the first thing that kids see with picture books, of course, that immediate visual. Then you've got the the text, the dialogue between the characters, the character's relationship. And you've got all this backstory that it seems to be woven in, in between the lines. And so in the end, sort of end up with this quite complex layering of story of narrative uh, and I I love how that can work on so many levels whether it's to for the person who's reading the book perhaps it might be an adult who can understand some of the um, more complex elements of the story or just on that very fundamental level for the child they see what they want to see and it works mm. for them as well. And so I think with my books, I'm always trying to, I'm always aiming for some something that is right in there, that, in, that some soul and ticker, you know, that, that, it, it, that makes you uh, really dig deep to, and that, you, that the kids feel or the reader feels that they are rewarded because they've done the work. In, throughout the story and uh, you know I think with those books myself and I read a lot of picture books those books that are light and fluffy they have their place too but I um, I just I couldn't I can't see how I could write a book like that um, and you know I, with Herman and Rosie I know the greatest compliment that I've you know I ever received from people is when they say I was brought to tears and I think wow gee you know to think that I a medium can do that that I can be in control of something that could really bring someone to tears is incredible honor mm. for me yeah yeah absolutely well just on Herman and Rosie we've got a question from Joe Diggs and she wants to know what Herman and Rosie are up to now <laughs> it's so funny anyway that I do think about my characters <laughs> so you lot. do know what they're up to well I I don't necessarily know what they're up to. I like to think that Herman and Rosie are happy uh, and they're probably in town still, so they're probably still in New York. And I'd like to think they they are still playing their music and uh, together and they're just happy. Uh, yeah, you never, 
it's funny you get so immersed in your characters and especially when you're working on them even your back characters you like i don't know if you remember in the band they're they're in this band that's not before they become the Custos when Rosie's in the band and there's a penguin who plays a double bass. So I've got that contrast of size between the little penguin and the big double bass. <laughs> and so I, for me, if I, I always thought about how that penguin got the double bass to the gig and I could, <laughs> I could do a whole thing, I'm sure. That's a whole book in itself, it's Gus. exactly about how the little penguin got his double bass out the door from his apartment downstairs, down onto the subway, in and out of the trains, up the, to the gig, you know, I think that all that stuff, is, that was all in my head and you sort of somehow, even though, of course, it, it's not in the story, just to kind of know what your character's backstory are, even if they're sideline characters, it's kind of important because you sort of weave that in subconsciously into whether it's the illustrations or, or, or the narrative. I think. Oh, I think that's very cool. And I can see a new book coming, Gus. Home oh, and Rosie, the sequel with some side characters. It wouldn't take much, I think, <laughs> as an excuse. Because I think, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, mostly I'm quite happy to draw a line in the sand when I finish a book and go, mm -hmm. well, that's done and dusted. Yeah. Mostly because I'm working on other stories. I've got other ideas that I want to flesh out and see where they go. Uh, but um, with Home and Rosie, you know, I, if someone, yeah. Special place? Yes, it is. It's, it is. It has, it's my, my favourite of my stories and I think because of just how much I put into it and it was very difficult to write because it was the dual narrative that I wanted to get the balance right between Herman's stories, story and, and Rosie's story and, and how they were synchronised in the way that they were. And, of course, it broke me into the international market in, in a way that I had not foreseen and you can't possibly foresee. And so mm. that is special to me. But in the end, it'll always, they'll always be special because of the characters that they are. Mm. I love that. That's really mm. cute. But you were saying before about how you wait for a story to reveal itself. And, I, I, you know, you mentioned drawing the picture. So when a story comes to you or is about to arrive yeah. do you see it in pictures or do you see it in words yeah so it's funny so what what happens is i generally initially see it in pictures so i see it in as an illustration and then i i try to flesh out you know keep thinking about that damn yabby again but um i try <laughs> and flesh out this to draw it out by drawing lots of pictures of this character and then refining it in a way improving it and that perhaps that will will flesh it out and then funny enough what happens is a line will come to me it, it'll be a line or a phrase or or a small paragraph that that sort of will help move things along and get things moving and then i'll be back to the pictures and then all of a sudden i'll get a bit of a rush of of like a, it's not really a brainstorm, but it's 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 a moment where I'm just writing madly and, and then throwing things at it to see what happens. And very funny, but but it's a works in an organic way. And then I'm quickly flip flopping between the words and the pictures. And so somehow, and it's not it's not it's not the most um, uh, 
elegant way to 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 do it. In some ways, I wish I could write a story, but and then and then illustrate it, but it just doesn't work that way. I just know that I flip flop back and forth between between drawing the pictures and then the words, and then somehow it's it starts to form and and come together in a shape that I'm happy with. Mm, no, I like that. I like how they sort, sort of talk to how. each other. Yeah, yeah, they do. It, it, I know with the last peach, for instance, it was a it was a bit different, and I'll give you an example. Um, so what what happened was I drew this bug, and I, I liked the look of the bug, and I thought, oh yeah, this it looks like he's already ready to go, <laughs> fully formed, and then. Uh, it wasn't until I drew a bug, I thought I'd give him a friend. So I drew another bug. And then suddenly in my head, and this is, you know, it's probably a good reason why I, I work by myself, but they started talking to each other. It was like, oh, that is, that's a fine peach. Oh, the finest peach of the season. And then off they went. And it was like, oh, I better tune in because this is happening now. I love this. And then I, and then I wrote it in like literally a day and a half, I was just like, woo, I'm off to the races. And then I was like, oh, yeah, and this happens. They get in a fight. And, and then it, but it, it revealed itself super quickly. But it wasn't the ending took some time. It wasn't until I was um, walking, funny enough, in, in Paris, I was walking by a, a print store and I saw a picture of a sunset that I thought of the ending and the sunset peach factor or mm-hmm. about spoiler but, um, alert <laughs> yeah yeah so that that took a little while but the, the, and the whole thing really was the fastest uh, it's ever come out of normally these things take years to 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 form and to, mm. to nurture it's what mm. um it's what is so magical about creativity but so hard about creativity is is this sort of elusive thing that sometimes you grab it and it takes us quickly and sometimes it takes forever and yeah. you, know, you just can't pin it down but i think that's the magic of it right it is you know it's a rush isn't it it's a, mm. such a rush when when you can feel it coming and then you off you go you're on you're on Yoo-hoo, and off you go <laughs> and then you fly across the plane and then you just come to a hole in the ground and the horse won't You have jump. to go to Paris, Gus, to solve your ending. Well, that's, that's <laughs> how you solve all your problems, get on a plane and go to Paris. And, how long has it been since you've been overseas? Uh, yeah, so last time when I, I did Bologna and so this time of year, so Bologna and then, and then Paris on the way home, so, yeah, so that was like three years ago. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah. oh, when did I go away? 2017 yeah. was the last time I was overseas. So what uh, are you working on? What can you tell me about it that's not super secret? Yeah, you know, it's pretty much out there now, now that it's all been announced and everything. So I am working on a graphic novel for the first time. Uh, this is it's something that I've never done before. Uh, it's called Into the Bewilderness. Wow. And it's about a bear uh, called Louis and a, and a mole called Pablo, and they live deep, deep uh, in in the woods. And it's really, I suppose, it's a very existential story uh, because Louis is a ponderer. He is a big. He's a deep thinker, even though he's not particularly bright. He's a, bit, <laughs> he's a little bit dopey. But he's still a big picture thinker 
and he's constantly questioning the world that they live in. Mm. Whereas Pablo, the little mole, is very cynical and grumpy. He's very grumpy. <laughs> and But they happen to live together in the woods in this cabin and they are... Uh, um, it's, and then one day, uh, Louis in the mail, for some inexplicable reason, they win tickets to go see a show in the big city. So they go, they win tickets to go see The Weary Mermaid. Um, and so it's really the whole thing is about the journey to mm. get there and the expectations, the anxiety around that, uh, about how on earth they get there. They asked a lot of their friends initially and none of them have ever been but they have very interesting ideas whether they're grandiose or paranoid <laughs> ideas about what the big city holds for them how um, much of a departure is going from picture books to graphic novels? huge it's yeah? really it's, it's quite different in some ways uh i think it's it's been really liberating overall because I'm used to pitch books where it's all about refining, 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 pairing back with an end uh, page number in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's 32 or 40 pages, you know, it's, that's, that's the end and you work backwards to tell the story. Whereas in a graphic novel, you sort of just tell the story. You just, what's great, you just kind of go with your gut to what feels right with the characters. You can flesh out all their flaws. You can be bombastic and quite verbose. I mean, there are some pages you can have 10 panels and they can just yibber on as much as they want, which is great. You can sort of flesh out characters' relationships and how they work them together. But then sometimes on the flip side of that, you can bring the picture book timing to it. You can Mm -hmm. just, for instance, you know, when they on their journey to the bus stop, which is a long, long way away. Uh, I just have wordless double page spreads, you know, full bleed, Mm -hmm. just like a picture book, nothing said, just turn the page and you can see the glory. I wanted to show how wonderful, how beautiful the wilderness is and how as part of that reason why they appreciate it, you know, but between all the different types of wilderness and rivers and all these things. Uh, And then I can get them back arguing about something really small <laughs> with lots of little panels. And so I can just do that and play around with it, with that visual format um, and not worry about the page ending. Mm, I don't think wow. that's going to be like 150. Wow. It's a massive project. I love that. I can't wait. Can't wait to read that. It's going to yeah. be very exciting. Well, be patient. It's going to be <gasps> very impatient, Gus. I'm very impatient. I'll have to be. <laughs> Now, I usually end with a deep question, but I did put out today on the social media, I said on the socials, I said, you know, if you've got a question for Gus. So Tristan, we're going to end with Tristan Banks's question. Um, oh, really? he, okay. he wants to ask about cheese. He said, ask Gus why he <laughs> likes cheese so much. <laughs> Trust Tristan to know about cheese. <laughs> I, they once were around here, he and his lovely family, and... Um, I did serve a big cheese platter. It was one of my good ones. Uh, we're one lucky to have a, a French <laughs> store up the road. And, uh, and yeah, served a whopping big <laughs> cheese platter, which, which um, they took, took a little while to get their, for their eyes to adjust. But, um, yeah. So I'm definitely I, coming over now, Gus. When I say a tea, I want a tea and a cheese platter. 
I think it's, I don't know, I just have always loved cheese and uh, going to France is, is part of the reason why I went over there in the first place is that the cheese is over mm. there. It's so mm-hmm. amazing. So, um, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I can't, there's not, why do you like anything? But the cheese is. Well, cheese is one cheese. of the greatest pleasures in life, isn't it? Cheese, like chocolate. Yeah. I've never met a cheese I didn't like. I'm with you there. Even the yeah. blue blue cheese and people are like, oh, gross. I'm like, no, give me the blue cheese. Give me the smoked. I love the smoked Gouda. Oh, I went to Holland yeah. and Holland are great for cheeses too. Oh, yeah. I'd love to yeah. go I went to one of the cheese factories where they show you how they like put the, you know, the, what do they call it? Oh. I've lost the wax around it or they put oh, them yeah, in the, the, the Hessian wheel. bags. Yeah, it's really cool. And they just leave them to sit for ages. Oh, I've seen that in Italy actually. Yeah, it's good fun, isn't it? Yeah, once you're a, <laughs> a cheese file, you you know, that's it. I've got books. Everyone keeps giving me books about cheese. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, how sad, that's how sad It's I not am. sad. So there yeah. are worse addictions, Gus, and <laughs> cheese is not one of them. <laughs> I think because I don't have a sweet tooth, I always say I have a cheese tooth. Okay. Well, I've got a cheese and a chocolate tooth. What's do wrong you with really? me? I do. The dark, dark chocolate limp balls. I limit myself though to two or three after I do my podcast. So all day <laughs> I just look forward to those two limp balls and knock. So you just do more podcasts per day. Got to get to the end of this podcast. I can have a limp ball, Gus. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I actually, I like dark. I don't mind dark chocolate, but I don't, yeah, I don't have much of that sort of stuff. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm glad we finished on cheese. I think it's a really important topic and I think people should talk more about cheese. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But thank you, Gus. The time has gone so fast and I just yeah. loved hearing about your creative process and all the things about creativity because sometimes it's nice just to have one of those cool, slow chats when you're just sort of talking about, you know, what you do and I find it so interesting. I mean, you've had such a prolific and successful career and everyone loves your work and what you do. Oh, so thank, thank you. you for taking the time and I can't wait for your graphic novel. Well, yeah, so it's, it's due out in 2024. So um, it's a it's a long way away. But right now I can I can understand why it's such a long way away because it really feels <laughs> like it's going to take every mm. bit of that time to get it get it done. So so into the wilderness it is. So that'll be that'll be <laughs> my next one. A long way away. Well, I know we'll talk before then, but we'll definitely talk in 2024 when that yeah. comes out. Love to have a chat about it. Oh, thank- I'd love to come back on. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for just having this awesome chat. Thank you so much, Gus. Thank you.